Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. Uh, end of June, Derek. Already? Yes, our summer is whiling away. It's just begun, my friend. <laughs> just begun. <laughs> We're only three days away till our big Rocky Mountain adventure. Yeah. Cross Canada Rocky Mountain adventure. We're all excited. We got lists made and crossed off and stuff bought, stuff packed, more stuff to pack, more stuff to buy, stuff to store in the trailer, stuff to store in the truck, stuff to store. Well, let me tell you where. <laughs> where are you going with this? <laughs> well, I'm excited. June, July, and August? Yes. Those are two big months of the summer where yeah. it's just pure outdoor stuff. June is a great month for insects too. They have the best time. Oh, it's Don't like get me started. Party on, oh. Central out they in the deep party woods. like it's 1999 yeah. <laughs> every spring. Let me tell you, they're, they're, these bugs know how to have a party, man. Oh, they it's do. Like an all you can eat buffet for a whole month. Everybody. Everybody. And their brother. <laughs> oh, yeah. They see cousins, uncles, aunts yeah. that they haven't seen in days. Yeah. Their cousin, the horse fly. Oh, yeah. And the deer fly. Yeah. Yeah. Party crashers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad <laughs> June's done. <laughs> <laughs> Almost done, but uh, no, we're uh, we're all excited about uh, getting on the road and yes, your going trip for starts very soon. Yeah, yeah, three days. Yeah, three days, buddy. And you got a trip uh, two weeks. You still got to wait two weeks. Yeah, my first <laughs> my first foray into Killarney Park with our buddy Mike Burns. Yes, are you guys taking one of his cedar strippers? Uh, I'm not sure what what canoe he's planning on taking. Hmm, we're, he's taking a cedar stripper. He, he took a cedar stripper to the 150-150 at yeah. Canoe Lake. But uh, I'm not sure what the plan is for for uh, Killarney. I doubt he, he were No, it's not going to be... He wouldn't do that to a cedar stripper. There's going to be uh, too much rocks and stuff to hit. There'll be too many things to hit. Yes, too many <laughs> things to hit. Yeah, he won't take a cedar stripper to Killarney. No, probably not. But uh, uh, he's, he, he's built some really nice cedar strip canoes, that's for sure. Yes. Um... We took one of his cedar strip canoes into Manitou, North, uh, North Algonquin Park one year. It's really nice. Handles beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Did yeah. you run into any rocks? Take it up on sand? No, but we did get some massive windstorms coming up. Yeah. And, um, carried some water. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> took on some water, you know, went through some troughs some, and whatnot, but, uh, no, it stayed afloat. So he must've done something right. Um, but yeah, you know what? Like I say, it's, it's end of June, July and August are two big months that, uh, everybody's out and they're doing their canoe and hiking, camping, traveling, that sort of stuff. Busy, busy. All the kids are out of school. Mm-hmm. You know, this week is their, their last week sort of thing for a lot of things. College universities have been out for a while stuff, but yeah, yeah. I don't have to deal with the elementary schools anymore. It's that sort of thing. But uh, you, we're really excited and kids are excited to go. And like I say, this is their first trip across the country. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the thing, as I said before, there is only one small spot between just, just west of, uh, Thunder Bay. I think it's about a 50 kilometer, hundred kilometer area that we're actually doing twice. Otherwise we are not touching not, the same piece of road. Well, that's good. And that, that's, that's a good point to do. Like you want to see as much as possible. It's not yeah. often. And so like, this is also a big trip for your family because everybody's going to start going their own way now. Yeah. Right. So it's probably the last time you'd be able to easily get the whole family together at one place. Oh yeah. The big, big family, uh, last family foray into the wilderness. Yes. But, uh, yeah, we're basically hitting, well, we're, we're going through one spot. We're hitting, uh, Thunder Bay to Fort Francis, then across, just south of Atacokan, where Mike Rant is from, yeah, um, to Rainy River, and then across northern Minnesota and up through the bottom of uh, Manitoba towards Winnipeg. But we're staying south of Winnipeg, and we're right. cruising across and up to Regina, and then across to Medicine Hat and Fort McLeod up to Calgary. It's quite the trip. Yeah. So you're taking two canoes, right? Yeah. And you're going to like try and hit as many... Many water highlights as you possibly can across the whole route. Yeah, we're going to do, so, at least if we can get out for an hour and do yeah. some paddling on all these different little rivers sort of thing. It's nice that you know? you're, it's nice that you're able to combine Canada's 150th with a major family trip, which is potentially the last major trip yeah. that you can do with the family before everybody moves off on their own. And it's the kid's first trip across the country yeah. and we're hitting some major 
big name Canadian rivers. This is going to be quite the epic trip. Let me tell you, I've been planning on this for ages. And I assume <laughs> we're going to have it sort like, of just came up by accident. We're going to have a six days. hour slideshow when you get back to see all the pictures. The first night, yes. Yeah, I'll have to make sure I'm sick. That <laughs> I'll have to make sure I'm sick for that for that week because yeah. you know there's six hours the first night. Yeah, it'll be at least six hours the second <laughs> night. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be showings at noon five <laughs> or noon six and 12. Yes. Um, but yeah, I got everything all, all planned out. There's still, you know, there's always that last minute stuff that you've got to get and, yes. and whatnot, you know, but uh, we had the trailer all serviced and um, that sort of, and it's nice because when we get out to the, to the Rockies, we've got some places booked where we just park in the trailer and then we can go out for the day, put, uh, Extended the roof racks on the on the truck so we can carry the two canoes. Okay. I mean, one's the Prospector, and uh, the other's the uh, Swift Osprey, right? Mm-hmm. Now, both of them are Swift, but uh, yeah, the, the Prospector and the Osprey, so it's not too bad. And we got the big, um, I call it the football goalpost uh, on the back, uh, the oh, Yakima yes. yeah. goalpost thing, yeah. right? Um, so yeah, you know what? I mean, we got some locks for that uh, to lock the, the canoes onto the roof of the truck. Yeah, you and, know that would be a concern the for trailer. me. Doing that kind of a trip across yeah. that far, and so many times that the the, the boats are going to be untended and yeah. and and uh, that's my big thing. Is, yeah. I mean, there's a couple a couple of spots where you know there was the one night we were going to stay we're, we're staying in a hotel just because we want to be up early enough because it's going to be a long drive the one day. Yeah, and so, well, you know what? Then why don't we just hit a hotel late? We can go or not late, but you yeah, know, we'll hit the hotel. Then we can take the canoes, go do some yeah. some paddling in the area, and then throw them back on the trailer, sleep in a hotel, get up really early, and be on our yeah. way. You're not having to pack up the trail. You're not disturbing people, cranking but it. The security and, of, and the water, of your watercraft on that, that's going to be kind of, that'd probably be stressful a bit, imagine. It is. Um, but like I say, we get in the, uh, there's uh, locks that you lock the canoe to, everything, so... That that's definitely a, a bit of less. So of a only worry. the serious thieves will be able to steal it. No, yeah, not the casual thieves. Not the casual guys walking by going, "Hey, let's just walk one of these home." Yes, you know, going down Main Street yeah. and with a canoe on their head. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, I've been across Canada. I don't know how many times growing up. You know, I think this is maybe my thirtieth, thirty-first time going across. <laughs> just a few, eh? Just a few, yeah. Well, when your dad's in the Air Force, that, yeah, and, you know, you're traveling back and forth, and family's in St. Catharines, so every time you want to come visit for a summer. Yeah. You're cruising out and then cruising back, right? Um, but yeah, and, and Tracy's only been, she flew out, well, we flew out once and then we drove out once. So this is only her second long drive. The kids have never done it. The dog's never been in the truck this long and, and everything. So it'll be fun. interesting. It'll be fun. <laughs> we have a blast. But, um, so you're going to Killarney. Yes. I'm excited. I've never been to Killarney. So it's first trip, and I, I <laughs> Mike was uh, planning a solo trip, and uh, I, I didn't even let up. I said, "Yeah, screw that. He's not going solo." And I told him that I was going. I'm joining you. <laughs> so <laughs> and there you are. He didn't fight back too much. He was he, he sounded a little somewhat resistant at first, but then I think he just gave in. I th- I think I convinced him that it'll be fun if he lets me go on the trip to him with to, to Clarney with him. Because I I, th- I I I've always wanted to go to Clarney, and it's not something that I normally would have planned with the family or on my own. So it uh, because I normally concentrate on Algonquin Park, mm-hmm. so or north of Sudbury and stuff. Yeah, uh, the Tomogamy area. Yeah. Uh, but no, you know what? I, I think Mike likes to do the solo trips, but I think he also likes it when there's somebody else. Somebody interesting, them, right? somebody to share the time with. And, yeah. and you know, I, as much as I like solo trips, I think it's also interesting to to uh, be able to share a trip. Like and that's, I'm excited for when my kids are old enough to actually participate in major trips like this. Mm-hmm. So Stella's almost there. Beckett's got a few years to go before he can fully enjoy a trip. I remember the first, I think it was the first trip Mackenzie and I did was an overnighter. And it was through, well, it was to Manitou. There's a bunch of people on Manitou. So we got up really early. We drove, I think it was a six hour drive, five hour drive up through North Bay, west, and then down the big long drive down. Oh, yeah. And then we paddled in. It was like a two hour paddle in. He, was, he wasn't that old. He maybe he was about eight. And then we spent the night on the island with everybody. And people mm-hmm. couldn't believe we came in for one night because <laughs> everybody's coming out the next day. So, but you know what though? We had fun. We talked and joked and everything on the entire trip up. 
And then we paddled and he learned how to paddle properly and different things going yeah. in, how to portage stuff. And he carried some stuff and I carried some stuff and the canoe and all that. And he learned. So it was a learning thing for him as well. And then when we got there, we did some uh, fishing and, you know, he hauled in a really nice bass and it was a whole blast. Then he ate, I think, 14 or 15 roasted marshmallows. Because oh. the guys just kept giving him marshmallows and he's just like, oh. Whatever, dude. You threw up in the tent. You're cleaning it. <laughs> but uh, got up, yeah, got up the next day and headed out with everybody. And uh, that was a nasty, nasty, windy paddle out. Oh yeah, it was nasty. And that's that's the trip where we came out and somebody had flattened both tires on the the canoe trailer and one of my tire tires on my truck. Now, do you know for sure they did it on purpose? Like, yeah, because we f- filled them up with air and there were no holes. Huh. Yeah, not impressed. We ended up with three canoes and on the top of my truck, my Ranger, a little Ford Ranger. Yeah. We had three canoes on the top of the truck and the canoe trailer, um, well, it was, it's one of those small little utility trailers that we, we were tying the canoes down to in the back of my pickup truck. (laughs) We were, so we went up the dirt road through, uh, North Bay heading south to South River. Cause we were dropping people off there. Cause that's where they parked. Yeah. So we had to drop two canoes and some guys off there. Wow. So we're all crammed in this thing and it, it was raining. So none of the windows could really be open. Oh. Three canoe. And we're, I'm just cruising down on the slow lane doing, doing the speed limit. The OPP pull up beside us and they're looking at everything, <laughs> how it's all tied. So it was all tied down specific. <laughs> Guy just nods and off he goes. <laughs> seeing the trailer in her back with a flat, and you can see the wheel was flat because it oh, was okay, yeah. hanging over the side. So he knew, okay, well. Yeah. But uh, off we went and dropped him <laughs> off, no problems, all the way home. What are oh, these guys doing? <laughs> that was, I will never forget that experience, let me tell you. Because you're saying, okay, we're well, off we go. We got the fi- the one fixed on the truck. And then you start rolling away and the heck's wrong? Something's wrong. And we get out and yeah, both tires are in the trailer wow. are flat too. Didn't really pick up on that because we saw the yeah. the truck tire flat, right? And then, uh, yeah, threw all that up Why there. Why would and, somebody do that? Well. You, why did they steal my tailgate? I was just going to bring that up. Right? I was just going to mention that. <laughs> I hate <laughs> canoe tripping. People <laughs> 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 keep trashing my stuff while I'm away. <laughs> That's yeah, always a concern I, when you park at these remote yeah. sites to, uh, and so you, a remote portage point or whatever, you park your vehicle and, and somebody, there's always the risk that somebody's going to break in or do yep. something to your vehicle, right? Yep. Well, and like I say, where I was parked, I'd parked my truck in the shade and, uh, when we came out, cause it wasn't a busy part of the season, right? Yeah. I came out, was driving away and stopped for a minute cause something didn't sound right. Went around the back and tailgate on my new Ford, uh, Ford, wow. uh, 150 was gone. Hmm. It's like, you gotta be kidding. Yeah, you're... That's like two grand, 2,500 bucks. Oh yeah? Yeah. To have it, have a new one painted the same color, the whole meal deal. Wow. It was like 2,500. Now insurance covered it all, of course. Yeah. But, but still. Still. What a pain in the butt. <laughs> you know, not happy. My worst experience was, uh, it was Magnetowan on the uh, west side of the park. I went in and uh, we were in there for, I think, 10 days. So it was a fairly long trip. When we got back... There was, uh, uh, <laughs> I opened the trunk to get in there to do whatever, and there was a mouse nest in my trunk. And there was seeds and grains everywhere. There was, so in the 10 days, some mouse had, I guess they moved got in vents or something, but they got in and uh, started making a nest in the trunk of my vehicle. How come you don't come back from a trip and find somebody's washed your car, <laughs> yeah. changed your tire, <laughs> giving you an oil change, yeah. Yeah. polished it, <laughs> polished yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, that sort of stuff, right? Bought a new trailer hitch because yours was yeah, rusty. Yeah. yeah, that sort of stuff, right? No, no, you just got to steal yeah. stuff. But the mouse wasn't too bad. The, like the vehicle stunk a little bit of the mouse poo, and yeah. So I was a little bit concerned about you know high virus and stuff like that. But you know, I've always said that about raccoons in our attic. We had one uh, years ago that. Uh, ripped a big hole in our roof and made a big home. Yeah. It's like, you know what? If they didn't destroy, like if they didn't do all their business inside, like if they were just living there, sleeping there. Yeah. I would have put a door on the roof so <laughs> he could get in and out. Just keep yeah. the water out, right? Yeah. But no, they trash everything up there. And yeah. Crap so and everywhere. Yeah. And it's like, oh. If we had a <laughs> a proper raccoon with etiquette. Yes. Where do you, where do you <laughs> find that? Yeah. I'd have no problem. I'd build them a little nice door. But no. Yeah. So 
when, when, when you decided where you guys were going, there was a certain reason, and I'm getting on this because there was a certain reason I sort of decided um, why this wasn't going to be just a family trip, why we're taking the canoes, mm-hmm. right? And and I know you were, we'd talked about it before, about your trip to Killarney with Mike and the reason Mike was going. Uh, unless you're just heading down to your local river or body of water, whatever, your old standby yep. where you go all the time, um, you know, places where, you, you know, everything's just the same. If you're looking to change things up, to go farther afield on your canoe trips, one of the things for me that makes a difference that I look at is geography. So my question is how much, and I know, like I say, cause Mike has dis- decided on, yeah. on doing this trip. How much does the geography, topography, geology impact your decision on where you're going to paddle? I think it often, and for me, it's it often plays fairly key roles. Like early on when I was still learning how to uh, plan a trip, when I didn't know how long I could fire or how long I could paddle in a day or, you know, how easily I could do portages. It was, it was, I was doing a lot of math and a lot of research to know, you know, I, I was researching walking pace. I was researching paddling pace and in storms, headwinds, tailwinds. I was trying to figure out exactly, figure out where, where I could go. So, you know, like, so you think, well, portages, I don't want a long portage. So really mm-hmm. geography affects, especially on solo trips, I would not do a long portage on a solo trip. I, it wouldn't be one of my first choices. And, uh, but otherwise, like if, like for me, for picking a location or for picking a trip, like it, it always has to do with the, the topography or the geography, or it, you either set a goal or you set limitations, either portage limitations or like either length or the number of portages or, you know, like you talk about, um, what is it? Unicorn Hill, uh, heading north of Algonquin yeah. and catfish. So th- that's like a wicked portage. And most people go and build their trips to avoid stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Or some people do it specifically to hit stuff like that. Right. And, and for, for, uh, Mike Burns, when we, or when he chose his route through Killarney he sent me and (laughs) he put a lot of work into it he had marked up maps and choice A choice B choice C and it's like (laughs) I think I better uh, I better read this and and focus on this because he put that much work into it I should at least read it (laughs) (laughs) you're the guy that looks at map I'm going there (laughs) yeah well honestly often that's what it is it's like yeah whatever I'm going to go here but yeah he put a lot of work into it and one of the things that he wanted to see like I guess a couple years ago he tried to get up to Silver Peak in Killarney, which is the Cloche Mountains or the yeah, Cloche yeah. Range. Yeah, the Cloche, the Cloche. The Cloche Range. And yeah. so it's like the highest peak in Killarney. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he had missed seeing it or missed getting to it because of uh, of inclement weather or something. And so that was one of the goals. It was either that or there was some gap. Or I think it's called The Gap. Anyways, that's another location. So we can't do both. We're going to do one of them. And plus he wants to paddle around... Uh, uh, the lower island just off the lake, uh, just south of uh, Killarney. So there's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of open water, a lot of exposure. And we had to plan the trade, you know, the typical winds the, mm-hmm. and uh, for exposure and for, we didn't want to be out in open water with heavy winds, right? Yeah. So we, we planned the route around uh, skirting along shorelines and in gaps and between islands, a lot of, you're looking for shelter. So it, uh, it really does. Geography often comes, unless it's, Often, sometimes, you know, if you're just doing a quick weekend trip, you just go to a easy lake and you don't really worry about geography or topography, right? You just, yeah, you just yeah. want to go in a lake or two but and yeah. then throw a campsite up, right? Yeah. And so Mike, he wanted specifically to see certain locations in Killarney, which is good for me. I just want to go to Killarney because I've never been before. Yeah. And until I started really planning this trip, I don't think I could have picked it out on a map. Yeah. And, well, I mean, I could have, but um, that's part of the thing that that's really big with me, uh, is looking at the geography. I, I mean, even Algonquin Park, we've talked about this, was uh, High Falls. Everybody oh, wants yes, to go yes. to the High Falls never water been. slide. Yeah. Um, that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. 
I've, yeah. you know, I've never been in every year. I say, this is year I'm going to high falls this year and, and whatever you never plans do. change. I never do never make yeah. it, but man, I want to get out to see that, that water slide. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Uh, the other one on the east side of Algonquin is Barron Canyon. And I've only hiked there. I've never canoed there. Yes, you have. Oh, it was the Father's Day trip <laughs> with you. The Father's Day trip. Yes. Oh, how close you forget. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that, those are the ones. Everybody wants to hit the Barren Canyon. And but we didn't paddle the Barren Canyon. We paddled around it and then hiked out to the Barren Canyon. Then we hiked, well, we did that. We hiked the top. Yeah. We hiked, where well, we paddled in some. Yeah. Yeah. And so we thought we could look mm-hmm. up and see, yes. right? Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, we went back and then we hit the cars and then we, uh, we hiked the top to yeah. look down as well. So you it's did see cool. both. It is cool. It's really cool. But I mean, that's the type of geography I'm talking about. When you see stuff like that, rather than, I mean, you can go across a big lake, like you say, lake, 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 river, yeah. lake. But when you start seeing. The same. Like, uh, what is it? Hogan Lake. You go halfway down Hogan and there's this huge rock face. Mm-hmm. And like, it's just, it's like, that's amazing. You want to sit there and stare at it, right? Yeah. And I find geography pretty amazing. It's the the topography and geography, the way that that the land forms, and after the ice age, when the when the ice sheets melted back, it's I find it really fascinating to see how things developed. Yeah, and yeah, you start looking at exactly that the the ice age and that the retreating glaciers and dragging the big rocks and. And yeah. everything, how it's g- uh, gouging the land. Yeah, and... come off these random erratic rocks. And it's yeah. like, it's it's pretty fascinating. I, I've, I'm convinced after doing you know, years of tripping and years of hiking and mountaineering and stuff like that, it's, if I were to start it all over again and, and pick a career path, I'd probably pick some kind of geology thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because I just find it fascinating. It definitely is. But when you're looking at a canoe trip, now some of the things I consider when it comes to geography are... Big lakes and small lakes. Yeah. And are there island? do I want islands or no islands? Now, if they're the bigger lakes, I like bigger lakes with lots of islands. Mm-hmm. Because uh, partly because if the winds come up, you can okay, yeah. jig around in them, right? And uh, keep out of the uh, keep out of the winds. Now, having said that, you go to a place like Pine Tree Lake in Algonquin, and it's not a massive lake, but there's a lot of small islands that yeah. you can, is there, and it really gives it, gives the island, uh, the, the lake character. You know, when I first started tripping, canoe tripping, I would endeavor to only stay on islands because I thought that bears, bears. didn't go out to islands. And I was, I slept well, I had mm-hmm. great trips. And then somebody, I was explaining this to somebody, I think it was on the uh, Gonquin Adventures bulletin board and somebody said, hey dummy, bears can swim. Oh, you shouldn't have told me that. It Thanks. changed everything. And <laughs> and I never went canoeing again. <laughs> I'm 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 better with it now, but it's usually when I do go on a trip, it's at least the very first night I don't sleep well because I keep listening for the bear's footsteps. You got to get back leaves. into the comfortability with it. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. You yeah. gotta you you gotta climatize all over again. It's that tree frog yeah. coming to get you. Exactly. With his hook hand. <laughs> Uh, one of the other things is, is rivers, wide or narrow rivers. Do you like, a, do, you, do you like rivers with rocks, rapids and waterfalls or do you like nice meandering, take your time It's really rivers? hard to say. I don't think I could, like narrow, uh, very fast, narrow rivers. I'm not a great fan of unless I'm doing like whitewater or something. Mm-hmm. It, like uh, there's, there's something about a slow, fat, lazy river where you yep. just kind of cruise along and let the water do its work and, and you just keep the canoe aimed in whatever random direction you want to aim it in. I, I really like that for relaxing, but also like the f- the fast, narrow trips, like for whitewater and for that excitement part of it, there's there's a place for everything, right? And it depends on the mood and how it shakes you. It's uh, When I look at a map and I see a really windy river, I'm thinking it's <laughs> cool until I get there. And then I'm thinking, yeah, this is about... 100, 100 miles too long. Yes. <laughs> I planned a trip. Years after, the, after the third bend, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. I planned a trip years ago and I'd, I hadn't really thought much about the distance and length. And uh, my friend Barb, we uh, we went in through uh, Ralph Bice, Queer Lake, and then down the Tim River to Saga, whatever it is. Anyway, so we, we I planned out this trip. We were mapping it out and 
Well, we got about halfway down, Tim, and she was so mad at me <laughs> because <laughs> what, how, she she didn't trust my planning after that because I I had really I thought you know you look point A to point B as the crow flies. Well, the crow doesn't you, you can't didn't necessarily <laughs> fly straight that day. That crow had been it drinking. Was a, it was a long day. We got in right at dusk. Yeah, like the sun was setting and it was starting to get dark when we hit the uh, Shibagoo, Shibagoo Lake. So we, we got into the campsite at Shibagoo Lake and it, the sun was just setting and we had started early. Well, we did the <laughs> uh, the windy route from Pruel, which yeah. is north of, just off of uh, Opiongo, into Little Crow. Yeah. And I had the freighter canoe at the time, the wider. Oh, okay. So I had a ton of gear. It was like driving a tank through Walmart. Oh, it's tough, eh? Well, you know what I was doing? I was standing up and I was polling. Yeah. Right? Well, Made you almost it have to. so much easier. Yeah. Plus, my brother and his buddy were ahead. When I saw the moose way up there, because I was standing, I could warn them. So yeah. everybody snuck around. We got a good look at, at a really nice moose, right? Yeah. But, uh, and didn't spook them and whatnot. But oh, by the time we got there, and then coming through out of Sunbeam down to Vanishing Pond. Oh, okay. That's, yeah. that's a long one. Yeah. There's a lot of them like that. It's that kind of geography, yeah, you can keep it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can keep that. Um, canyons and gorges are always a, a plus. Absolutely. Right? They're, yeah. they're always a plus. Just the height. Like yeah. you, you can look so far up, you see the rock faces and it, it's just the, sometimes it just takes your breath away, some of the geography. Well, one of the places that we're, we're looking to hit is where the Bow River and the Old Man River join in Alberta and turn into the South Saskatchewan, uh, up out by Medicine Hat. And that's like in the the Badlands, I guess they, they call it, it's the Badlands. Um, there's big cliff faces and whatnot there, and it looks really cool. Yeah. You know, just that sort of, the old Western sort of looking, um, oh, yeah? yeah, look has got to it. I, I would like to see that. Like I've, I've only, how good it is. I've only ever <laughs> driven through areas like that. I've yeah. never been out on the water in like Alberta or something. Well, that's, that's or... part of the reason I want to go. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we lived in Cold Lake, so we were up there. We used to camp in the Rockies, so we've been through yeah. there. But camping, hitting with a canoe with all these other spots is just going to be pretty cool, right? It's going to be pretty epic. Yeah. yeah. Um, so things like that, you know, the Badlands, the mountains, going through the mountains. Yes. I used to live you out know, in BC and... And I, I miss, every time I think about it, it's like, oh, I want, <laughs> if I could only afford it, I'd retire back out there. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, to wake but, up in the morning and see the snow peaked mountains and you know, you're in 30 degree weather and you look up and you see the snow and the mountain peaks and it's pretty amazing. Well, we're looking at hitting Moraine Lake, which is Valley of the 10 Peaks. Okay. Yes. Which yeah. is on the back of the $20 bill. Yeah. Right. So we're going to go through there. We're looking at hitting the Athabasca River, which comes out of the Columbia Icefields, the Athabasca okay. Glacier. Oh. Up through Jasper. So you're going to see the rock dust in the water. It's going to be ice cold water. Yep. yep. There's a lot of places we're going to be hitting. We're going to hit the Bow River out that way right through Banff and all mm-hmm. that. And yeah, all that, that, uh, turquoise water and all yeah. the mountain streams and, and stuff. We're going to, we're going to be hitting all of that sort yeah. of stuff. Right. And that's, that's, that's cool. But just doing it through mountains. Yes. You know, like paddling and there's a massive mountain on that side. There's a massive mountain on that side. Yeah. You know, and every, as, as far as you can see, you know, you're, you're following this valley down. Like yeah. that's, that's one of the things that yeah. makes this such a, such a cool thing. It's going to be pretty amazing. Um, coastlines, especially on the, the east and west coast of the country. Yes. You know, like on the ocean. And I've done some of that. I've kayaked out west. I've, uh, done a lot of sailing, sailboat uh, out east and it's really amazing to to explore coastlines because it's not many people get out there and look at this stuff so you can mm-hmm. find little private beaches and you can you can paddle along and find areas that you know you, you know that very few people have seen or been to because right. it's not too many people are in small enough watercraft to just randomly land on these little beaches right so it's pretty amazing uh, like out west I used to uh, like Juan de Fuca Trail on Vancouver Island like quite a few times where the uh, trail goes and you can, you can paddle in and camp on a beach and you gotta, yeah, you yeah. gotta be what, careful about tides though. Right. Because yeah. the tides can, can be come up pretty high, but it's just amazing to fall asleep to the sound of waves on sand that hiss, that hit constant hiss sound. It's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. And as you're, as you're paddling up the coast as well, yes. you know, the scenery changes there as well. It's, it's not like a regular lake that you're paddling on. 
Oh, exactly. You know? Yeah. So there's another another thing that you look for. And one thing that most people kind of miss, or one thing you don't, you kind of is like once you're there, you realize is there's a certain flavor, a certain smell to ocean paddling, to sea kayaking, when you have salt water and the the all the flora and fauna, and it's there's a certain smell, and it's a nice smell. It's a good smell. It's it's the smell of the ocean, and that's pretty amazing when you do sea kayaking. Like for me, it was off Vancouver Island. It's just the, it's just a beautiful smell to the ocean that, that's very distinct. Mm-hmm. And it complements the, the view you're getting. Oh, absolutely. It's yeah. amazing. Well, and then the last couple, rocky shorelines or beaches, which do you prefer? Well, it's kind of, you can't pick one or the other. <laughs> rocky shorelines are great to paddle by and look and examine. Mm-hmm. But if you want to land, obviously you need a beach. A beach. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, we, we get a lot of the rocky treed shorelines yes you know where we where we go here in ontario there's it's a lot of rocky shores yeah it's a lot of trees yeah and then if you're lucky enough to find a a beach a nice sandy beach yeah you know that sort of thing but those are just some of the things that that i look for when it does come to deciding where i'm going to paddle yes and just like i say just the trip that we're taking out west and and the trip that you guys are taking up to killarney it really started making me think how much geography does Mm -hmm. play a role in our decision on well, paddling, you've on probably locations. already like in planning your trip. I, I, like I'm, I'm sure you've done dozens, hundreds of times looking at Google Maps. Oh yeah, what does this look like? What does that look yeah. like? Is that something I want to see? And then you go to like Google Earth and take a low view of it or or a street view of it or whatever, right? Yeah, like it's just something that. Uh, like you can, and that's the good thing nowadays about is before it was uh, topographical maps, and you say oh, that looks like it might be a beach, but now with Google Earth, and you go in and yeah, that's you a can beach. actually see the beach, and yep. yeah, oh look at the color of that sand, look mm-hmm. at the rocky points on the other end, and whatever, right? So it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty it, it's a great asset to have with Google Earth. Oh, it definitely is, and like I say, you can also see where. The, the, you know, if you're looking, oh, I'm going to go up and paddle that little stretch of water. You do the Google Earth thing just to check it out and you find out it's all white water. Yes. Right. Which you may not know until you get up there and you Oops. go, oh, well, there goes that. I hadn't planned you on know, that. I just traveled two hours out of my way to hit somewhere I can't go. Yeah. Right. So. <laughs> I'm not geared yeah. for that. You'll send the kids down first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If they make it, I'll go. But uh, yeah, just just looking at my trip and talking about your trip there, it made me think of how much of the geography, yeah, the geography and does play a how role. How it affects decision making when it comes to planning. Yeah, and it really does. How about that? Yeah, it's it's fa- It is it it is a key part of it. It is. So well, let's uh, leave it there. We'll uh, take a quick break and we'll come back with uh, a brief history of plaid. <laughs> Trust me, you'll like it. <laughs> You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka and Halliburton. Welcome back. Derek, we're going to talk about something that totally is right up your alley. Yeah, you already touched on this subject before the break, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> the brief history of plaid. <laughs> Why are we going here? Because a lot of outdoors people I know wear plaid, myself included. I don't different have colors, plaid. Different colors, different... You're... Something wrong with you, boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? Everybody overdid plaid, you know, and it was a thing. And it uh, it's starting to calm down now, but uh, for the longest time, everybody wore plaid. And I thought, I'm not going to be one of these followers. Was that during the 90s? Yes. I will tell you why when we get to the 90s <laughs> in our brief history of plaid. <laughs> so let's start way, 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 way back many moons, a couple hundred years ago or more. 
Uh, tartan. Everybody knows the tartans. Yes. Kilts worn by Kilts, yeah. the Scots, right? Men in skirts. Yeah, men in skirts, rubber boots. Um, the term plaid was replaced the word tartan when patterns became more popular in Britain and the Americas. The textile manufacturers would create fabrics that looked like tartan, but they didn't have the centuries of uh, symbolic meaning embedded in the tartan pattern itself. Okay. Like, you know, every all the families have a certain tartan yeah, the they family can wear, tartan, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, the tartans that they started making, the textile companies started making in America and that didn't have any of... They would just, oh, well, you got to have squares, you got to have stripes, you got to. Yeah. It didn't mean anything. There's no set patterns. Right. So technically, it wasn't tartan anymore. It was a plaid. Yes. That's where the term came from. From 1850 to 1950, the lumberjack lore. Yes. So, so you, and you, everybody sees this lumberjacks wearing plaid. Right. Well, the, because you think the red and black checks, right? Yes. That was during the 19th century. When plaid came over, tartans came over, became plaid in, from Europe to the U.S., yeah. it became known as plaid at that point. There was a company called Woolrich Woolen Mills, and it gave the, popular, the plaid's popularity when they developed their buffalo plaid in 1850s. Okay. The buffalo plaid... Plaid, plaid, plaid. Why is plaid sounding funny now? Well, you say it too long. It's, yeah. It's, if it's, you say any word weird. too much, it's suddenly... So like, the buffalo plaid anymore. Was the, is the distinctive red and black checkers. Okay. Right? I'm Googling that right now. It became, <laughs> it became a staple amongst the outdoors professions, most notably the lumberjack. Yes. So the 1850s is when that started. In 1924... Because at that point, it was just the outdoors people were wearing it, right? Yes. The lumberjacks. 1924, Pendleton, which was another clothing company, mass-produced a shirt for men, which became an instant casual wear hit. So everybody started wearing their casual wear plaids, everyday yes. wear, right? Um, in 1936, the... <laughs> the uh, there was a little town of Cedar Springs. It began to produce its own red flannel. Okay. Basically as a winter thing. And Pendleton responded by debuting a female version of the shirt in 1949. Same plaid, just female yeah, design. just now a female design. <laughs> How many years afterwards, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, 25 years later. The 70s is when the plaid had a rebellion. Now... Did Plaid itself had the rebellion? It did, apparently. <laughs> so it says. Uh, you know, as it's going away, you know, along is developing into different things. Everybody's wearing it, that sort of thing. It took on, the Plaid shirt became a more sexualized look. Okay. On the Dukes of Hazard oh, When Daisy Duke yes. wore her Plaid shirt tied above the waist and her little hot pants. Yes. Little short shorts. Little short shorts, hot pants, and that's, all of a sudden it took off again. Yes. Right? <laughs> In England at the time, Queen Elizabeth II, the second's royal Stuart Tartan, yep. was taken by the punk movement. Now I have to Google that. And it was, you know, ripped up and shredded shirts, that sort of thing, to give it the punk look, right? The feeling of anarchy as opposed to monarchy. So all of a sudden there was more of the rebellion going on yes. with the plaid, but across the pond as it were. So in North America, we were making it sexualized yep. with Daisy Duke. Everybody mm -hmm. remembers Daisy Duke, Catherine Bach. And then over... You even know her name? Her who the doesn't? actress's name? I don't who know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and the over across the pond, they were taking Queen Elizabeth's tartan and ripping yep. it up and wearing it and... And made it a thing. They took it yeah. over. They, they it's in your face. It, it Forget the, the monarchy. You know, God no, save the queen. No the longer monarchy. It's regime. anarchy. It's anarchy now. Yeah, and that's what it was. Um, Vivian Westwood took it, and her she had the punk inspired plaid stuff like that, which then all of a sudden pushed it into another direction where people started using it. Musicians. Okay. 1991, my friend, to get back to your yep. little thingy. 
Pearl Jam debuts Even Flow. Their song Even Flow. Flannel becomes scarce in Seattle for the remainder of the decade. Oh, they chased it away. No, they didn't chase it away. Everybody bought it. And oh. they wanted it and wanted it. And they oh, it became it scarce. Stock. You couldn't keep it Everybody, stock. the grunge look. Got it. I right? misunderstood. That's the grunge look. Everybody's wearing the plaid. Yeah. Everybody's got it. Grunge, grunge, grunge. Mm-hmm. Nirvana, yeah. uh, Pearl Jam. Exactly. You know, all of them guys. Uh, 1998, Earl Schaefer commemorates his flagship through hike of the Appalachian Trail by completing the trail again 50 years later, wearing his trademark blue flannel shirt and pith helmet. <laughs> Nice look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and black socks with suspenders and Birkenstocks. Yes, yes. <laughs> 2010, Burton designs the Olympic uniforms for the U.S. snowboard team featuring Gore-Tex jackets that looked like plaid shirts. I remember that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. See? Everybody's into the plaid, buddy. Everybody yeah, but you, apparently. Yeah. So it looks like all the paddlers I know that have plaid and wear plaid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have Woolrich to think. To thank way back in 1850 <laughs> for yep. their bla- black and red checkered tartan uh, yes. plaid. Um, and then Pendleton's for mass marketing it in 1924 as casual wear. See, now I'm going to have to go out and buy a plaid shirt. Just to fit in? We were at the the year I, I presented uh, um, at the Kitchener-Waterloo Canoe Symposium yeah. on Woodland Caribou Provincial Park. We went back for barbecue afterwards, and there was like eight of us in a group photo, and we're yeah. all wearing plaid. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was something to see. Absolutely something to see. <coughs> so that's your brief history of plaid. Yes. <laughs> it's a brief history, but now you know where it comes from. <laughs> yes, I, I'm a better person for it. It's been a couple hundred years in the making. Yes. It goes way back to Scots time, to the Scottish people, right? Yeah. Way, 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 way back. Yeah, who'd have thunk it? <laughs> who'd have thunk it? <laughs> so that's my, uh, my, my brief history of, of plaid. <laughs> Thank you for that. Not a problem, buddy. I'm there for you. A little bit of history, a little bit of culture for you. I'm cultured now. Now you're cultured. <laughs> Well, now that you are cultured, yes. <laughs> a while back, I'd found something, and I've sort of been looking at it again lately, um, contemplating. Do you remember I made that post about the stand-up paddleboard lights? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And there was that really cool. It was a bar, yeah. uh, a long bar. You figure get a couple of those on. That just seems so fun. It does, but they were six hundred twenty-five bucks a pop. Yeah, though. So that was those specific ones. They've got to have cheaper ones. Well, they do. They have uh, like little round LED. Ones that stick on uh, with suction cups on the bottom of your your SUP, or some people put them on the front or like or on top, and then shine their way forward that sort yeah. of thing. Um, but you know what? I'm still contemplating those. This has been what a month or so since I uh, yeah since I posted that. Just over a month ago, I posted uh, that on our Facebook page. The and the thing about that I like is the fact that like you're you're paddling. I, I like paddling at night, full moon, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I, I've got out there so many times at night just to paddle around. And, you know, obviously only on calm nights, you don't want to be too risky out there. But, uh, yeah, it's it's nice just to get out on the water at night under a full moon and paddle around. And with these lights, it would be so fascinating to see the water lit beneath you. Well, I'm figuring if I got six of those and put two up front, two at the back, and then two in the middle, facing down. It'd be a huge, right, glowing cloud of white water flowing along. But that would be kind of cool. I mean, you could see, and if it's shallow enough water, I mean, if if you if you got eighty feet of water below you, you're not seeing anything. Yeah. But if it's shallow enough water, you're going to see all the nightlife that goes on in the rocks. In the rocks. So you, you're going to you, see you, the rocks. But <laughs> imagine though, like you could paddle at night and not worry about hitting rocks. But you're going to be able to look down and you're going to see like the crayfish and the leeches yeah. and the small fish and the big fish and, and all, all the stuff that goes on underwater just offshore. You know, my kids would love that. Wouldn't they? That would be fascinating. There's very, I mean, you can find them anywhere from like 25 bucks to cheap ones up to, yeah. like I say, 625 I I bucks. I do not, not understand the $600 price tag on the, uh, what is it? Sup Glow SUP GLO. Yeah. So I, I don't understand the price. I'm not sure what you're getting for that price. 
but uh, maybe a whole paddleboard. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I know, eh? Yeah. It, 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 the price scheme that they have picked doesn't make sense, but I'm not sure what you're getting for that price. But yeah, it's it's definitely something I'm, I'm contemplating getting at least. I I'd get at least four, but I'm contemplating getting uh, a six of them. Yeah. Um. But yeah, if you want to paddle at night, even or you know you want to do some river or something like that, you you can shine a couple of them forward. Yeah. Shine a couple of them straight down. Like so headlights the, on a the guy in the bow paddler, he's gonna yeah he's gonna be able to see a lot more. Um. But uh, I was also thinking if you could put a couple on the floor facing up. Get so, yourself a nice alien mask and paddle by a couple of people's campsites. <laughs> <laughs> and blinding yourself, ruining Blind, your night vision. Well, yeah. But, <laughs> but think of the fun. Yes. <laughs> you know, somebody sees, a, sees an alien go paddling by. Um, yeah, definitely thinking about getting a couple of those still and uh, hitting, like I say, take them out. Because I don't think it, it, I don't think it would be. Um, just for little kids, that would get a kick out of it. No, obviously I would, and I'm kind of a kid at heart, but I would find it fascinating to see the fish and, and like you say, the crayfish and other fish. And I imagine you'd attract some. Well, yeah, I know that's why people used to, we used to light flares like, on the shore to track the fish into yeah, the shore, right? Yeah. So I don't think you, I, you'd have to check the the uh, regulations and stuff. Well, yeah, but it'd be, you couldn't fish I don't know like that, that you'd be allowed to fish. i sure it'd be illegal, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? I mean, if it's attracting fish, then you drop some bread or something like that and you're definitely going to see them. Yeah. Right. Again, with the little kids and stuff like that. But as well, if you can get like four or five canoes out with these things and just going across the, yeah. the lake at night. That would be amazing. You know, that would get be four or five, just this nice giant light ball yeah. underneath. I wonder what that would look on a, uh, time delayed, uh, photography, like a long shot. You, I think it would just more... be all one long light streak underwater. That would be neat. Yeah, because uh-huh. you wouldn't you wouldn't see anything else, right? No, but you'd see more and more light glowing into the water if it was just a still shot. Yeah. Oh, uh, I so want to try that now. It's, that's the creativity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, yeah, gonna gonna check it out. But I mean, that's where we saw them first. Was you know the uh, stand up paddle boarders using them? Yeah. And they also come in different colors. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, which I mean, these people are doing. And like I say, different different types, different designs. Some are long strips. Some are just uh, round, uh, one round light sort of thing. And you say they stick on my suction cup. Yeah, I'd be worried about losing it if it was an expensive one. Um, yeah, well, I think that, like the ones that are suction cup. They're saying they're like the uh, ones for your GoPro. Yeah, you know that kind of su- suction cup. It just sticks just right on. Drill holes in your canoe and. Uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah. don't let the water. There in. you go. Mount it. Yeah, or you you know you mount it with the suction cup and then make sure you got a rope, small string or something around. Yeah, Yeah. tether a leash. So I like the drilling holes idea. Yeah, as long as it's your canoe. Nice and secure. (laughs) Yeah, we'll drill holes in your canoe, buddy. (laughs) Uh, But uh, yeah, that's uh, sort of been on my list here where I'm looking at other things, and I I got to think that by the end of the summer I'll probably be uh, owning some of those. (laughs) Yeah, I I, you know I'm I'm going to look into the price wise and I might get myself one too. Only one? Well, Get start yourself a small. set, buddy. Start small. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio, whether you're close to home or far away, Grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters your outdoor adventure store with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Well, Derek, that's about it for this week's show. Uh, this will be, actually, this will be the last time we, uh, I see you before we go on holidays. Yes. And uh, then That'd you're on holidays great. and yeah, it's going to be nice, quiet, peaceful. Yeah. Don't have to see your ugly mug. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to everybody that's listening, don't worry, we've got shows lined up, ready to go. We spent some extra time getting uh, pre-recording some stuff and whatnot, so 
Uh, you guys will have our, our weekly show to listen to. It's all lined up, ready to go. So no interruptions to uh, everybody out uh, in podcast radio land. Yes. Uh, in the meantime, yeah, I guess that's it. Um, now you, like, like I say, you can go out and buy yourself some plaid. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I expect to see you wearing it, wearing it proudly, my friend. Yes, I'll need plaid to keep the bugs off my skin. Oh, bug jackets and plaid. Yes. That's right. And that's the tough part. Like you, you want to, like for me, I always want to wear long sleeve shirts and, and plaid would actually be good for the thickness to keep the bugs off me. But I always wear long sleeve anyways, because I, I avoid the sun. Well, and I got the, the heavy lumber jackets too, right? But in the summer, it's tough to wear something like that. In the summer? Yeah. But on nice cool evenings or. There's no problem with bugs then. In the shoulder seasons when you not want to wear a nice <laughs> yes. warm jacket? Yes. You get your lumber jacket out. That's plaid, buddy. Why don't you own a lumber jacket? I used to have one when I was a kid. When you were a kid. Oh, my favorite so thing. so disappoint me. My, I might have to start looking for a replacement. <laughs> my favorite thing with those lumber jackets was uh, when they're brand spanking new, you take a bit lighter to it and you can see this little sheet of flame crawl everywhere. All the little hairs and whatnot. Yeah, love that. Yeah. Lumber jackets and cougar boots. Back in the day. Oh, the yeah. work boots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what everybody wore. <laughs> I told you. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for listening this week. If you want to find out more about uh, Derek, myself, and Paddling Adventures Radio, you can go to paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find past episodes on iTunes and Google Play, as well as our episode page on paddlingadventuresradio.com. Thanks, everybody, for listening to us this week. Have a, uh, a good July, and uh, we'll do more shows when we get back. Thank you for listening. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. Bye.